welcome to the Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast where each episode the three of us read up on a topic, then discuss it from our geeky, nerdy perspectives. This week, I'm your host, Tanwul Chowdhury, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. But let me warn you, there are consequences to what you prefer. <laughs> oh, consequences! <laughs> nice. Anyways, we'll be discussing the indie game One Shot and consequences in video games. I'm joined by two people, each of whom selected a domain that they connect to our topic and theme. They are... Hey guys, it is I, Keenan Kodish. I know you've been wanting to hear from me for a while, as I've been silent, but don't worry, here I am and I'll be talking about The Wolf Among Us, the Telltale Game series. Hello, it is I, Ryan Mossbarger, and I am here to talk about Real life consequences. The worst kind of consequences. <laughs> so what I'm going to be talking about is a, it's it's Anthem in general, but very specifically, I'm going to be talking about a, Kota- a Kotaku article called, quote, How Bioware's Anthem Went Wrong by Jason Schreer. Oh, yeah, I, I covered that article in one of the uh, common briefing programs. Yeah, and we're going to talk about how, I don't know, not... I mean, I read the article last month and I read it again very recently. And we're going to talk about how how video games can lead to real life consequences for game developers. They made a lot of mistakes and a lot of really weird decisions that really makes me fear for their longevity. I think Anthem is probably I thought Anthem was going to be the last part of Bioware that they're going to do the same thing they did to so many other like small developers that EA is like gobbled up. I think they've got one more shot. Otherwise, they're just going to get dissolved. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Pretty sure them getting dissolved is inevitable at this point. Yeah, it does not seem good. They've already uh, just a lot not too long ago dissolved one of their studios. So there are only two left. All right. So this episode, we're going to start by summarizing our topic and domain before we openly discuss. Finally, we close with a competitive rating section to determine who best contributed and whether today's topic was enjoyable. So without further ado... Let's get started. Alright. <laughs> so, as I said before, today's episode will be about the video game One Shot. One Shot was a game made in 2014 by... Sorry, uh, Little Cat Feet. No, Little Cat Feet. Little Cat Feet. Yep, uh, and and pub- published by Degeka. Degeka, uh, I, I you're just don't... making up words now. If you if you need a second, to open up the Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia, motherfucker. And it was and... made by Lamb. No, <laughs> little cat feet. <laughs> yes. Anyways, uh, now there are two versions of One Shot. One released in 2016 on Steam, and a free version released in 2014. We're going to be talking about the 2014 version. Uh, One Shot is a game about... uh, Light bulbs. Yes, light bulbs. (laughs) (laughs) At its very core, it is a light bulb simulator game. (laughs) So, you have your main character, Nico, and he... I thought it was a she. Is it a he? he? I'm pretty sure it's a he, yeah. It was very very ambiguous. I I never really connected the dots on it. I just assumed... I, cats are feminine creatures, so of course my eye, my my subconscious assumed it was a it was a girl. Oh no! 
the gender of Nico is ambiguous. It could be either or. Okay. So, all right. We're both right. Cool. Uh, N- Nico is trapped in this world that is about to see an apocalypse because they are missing their son. And Nico is the chosen one whose job is to bring them their son back. And in this world, the sun is a light bulb that is on top of a tower. And throughout the game, you encounter, like, the inhabitants of this world. And you interact with uh, this entity who is kind of like the god of this world. And also, Nico interacts with you, the player. Because Nico is a character of on his own. And you, the player, are your own, are like an eye in the sky who like guides Nico through his journey. He even like acknowledges your existence, asks yeah. you a question. Yeah. Are you as the player supposed to be a god as well? He, I thought they were kind of, yeah, I wasn't sure. Because there was like somebody else giving you hints that I, I assumed was another god. But then they were like also referencing you as god as well. Yeah, basically the twist is that the entity who brought Nico to this world basically wants to end the world, and he wants Nico to, like, smash the light bulb, and he basically brings you along so that, like, you can carry out what he wants to do. The end of the world. Word. Which, I mean, let's be honest, after spending a little time in that world, eh. It's It's eh, very happy. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it's not very happy because it's about to end. I guess. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those what came first, chicken or the egg. (laughs) (laughs) So, from gameplay-wise, the interesting thing about One Shot is that once you beat the game, or once you X out, uh, you can't play the game again. You are locked out. Yeah, that was crazy. Hence the name One Shot. And also, it fucks with your computer. It like yeah. sends it sends you little text files. It changes the background of your. It changes your computer background on your your main screen. Yeah, it it it's got a lot of like meta related puzzles to it. Yeah, no, it's a really cool uh, concept. And because of that one shot concept, it uh, really makes the player like super worried about the choices they make i feel and i just wanted to talk about how games handle the idea of consequences because this is very much a genre where most of the time you can just like repeat things over and over until you get things right so Mm. and this one they there's more of a barrier you probably have to like clear out some files do a re like do a clean uh re-download of the game stuff like that if you wanted another shot yeah exactly or you could just play the Steam version, which lets you replay the game because they ask for money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty pissed. <laughs> but that's money! <laughs> give me that money. Yeah, so before we go on, I just wanted to uh, give a shout-out to the creator of the game. Uh... Lamp. <laughs> uh, cat paws. Cat feet. Little cat, cat paws. Cat... Little cat beans. They have a Twitter, and I just wanted to like, oh sure, just say it. I just want to make sure I get it right so that if only if only Tweety Badidi would let you know you do it. All right, here we go. At Night Margin, uh, you can find them on Twitter. They're really cool. They're the one who uh, made the game. They did the art, the music, the writing. Yeah, for for an RPG maker game, it was very well done. 
And I think the the way that it interacts with your computer and actually like f- it kind of pops you out of playing the game in an in a interesting way. So yeah. you're you're kind of interacting with the screen, and then when the other, I guess, either God or maybe person that came before you interacts with you, it is through not just like regular pop ups, but like air pop ups. Yeah, it, it completely takes you away. It's like, oh, this is not. This is part of the game, but this is not part of the game. It's trying to show me. Yeah. It's like doing something meta, which I thought was a really cool way of going. Like, the entity doesn't address any of the characters in the game. The entity addresses you, the player, directly. And that, and that like, is super unsettling. Yeah. It's spooky. It reminded me, I don't know if you guys played Metal Gear Solid on, like, the PS1, where, like, Psycho Mantis would read your memory card and, like, yeah. make you have to switch the port. You like to play Castlevania. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it kind of made me think of that, because that really, because I think at a certain point in games, you get clocked in and you are... I don't know necessarily like living it, but you're in the mo- you're in the zone. I'm living it. You're kind of yeah. <laughs> well, I just mean like you start to forget about yourself and like you start to kind of live through the character. And when a game snaps you back out of it, and you're like, oh shit! Like yeah. It but and it's part of the story and it works for it, not like against it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like a lot of the puzzles involve that kind of uh, thinking. You know, like. Uh, like, there's a puzzle where the game will, like, change your desktop wallpaper and, like, you have to uh, look at that wallpaper in order to figure out the puzzle in the game. Yeah, that one took me a second. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, we changed something with your computer. It's like, all right, they sent me another text file I've got to find. And I'm moving around, like, stuff on my laptop. And then I noticed, like, that's weird. It's not the background I had before. And I was like, oh, no, there's, like, a really, like, low-quality picture that's taken over my laptop screen. What is this? And then I, I've connected the dots. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really clever. And just uh, these meta things really help to, like, cause the player to, like, be very hesitant about what they do. Like, there is a way to, like, save the game to, like, do your progress uh, later on by, like, going to the beds and, like... Uh, go sleepy buys. Yeah, having Nico go to sleep. But, like, every time I did that, I'm like, I really hope I'm not fucking myself over here. I really hope I'm not fucking Nico over here, I should say. Because, <laughs> like, I remember I, I was playing the game wonder. Because, like, Nico is a character who will, like, interact with you, and he's, like, this little kid who, who's very naive and is so innocent. The goodest boy, you know? Just wants pancakes. There's a big part about where he just yeah. wants some nice little pancakes to eat. Nico just wants to go home and see, see their mom, you know? Yeah. I ended up caring for Nico and, like, approaching things from the perspective of what is best for Nico, you know? Yeah. You know, at the end of the game, the player is given a choice. Destroy the light bulb and send Nico home, or instill the light bulb and keep Nico trapped in this world, but, like, save everyone for a while. Because, here's the thing, the bringing the sun back won't actually save the world, it'll just prolong the life of this world, you know? So it's a very, uh... Pyrrhic victory. Very very Dark Souls kind of choice here. Take that. I like it. Yeah. It, like, really makes you stop and just, like, he- hesitate and, like, think about, like, what it is you're doing. And I just wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool game. And I I finished it in one sitting. I, I, when it, Once it got me, it got me. And I kept on playing. Yeah. Yeah. 
let's move on to the domains. Domains. The domains. Let's this go. Is, welcome to Common Geeking Program. Acoustic. <laughs> no synthesizer riffs this time. You heard it here first, folks. All right, Keenan, you're up. Yep. All right, I am up, and you all better be down. Uh, I thought, when you mentioned, um, I originally wanted to do, when you were talking about choices, because I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition recently, but that's Bioware as well as Anthem, and I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> uh, have a, 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 a homogeneous, you know, kind of solution here. To be fair, there's not many games that allow you choices anymore that have consequences. True. <laughs> it's pretty and limited pool. Inquisition's kind of crazy. Yeah, even like Telltale games... For all their uh, talk about choices, those choices don't really change the game that much, you know? Um, yeah, well, that's true. So I thought of what's the second kind of, you know, game that I played recently, or in general, that, um, um, that, Keenan, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I was, uh, distracted by something that, uh, really lets you, like, kind of make big decisions and uh i personally i love when games make, make decisions so i thought of the wolf among us which is a telltale games from 2013 uh well at least you know 2013 to 2014 because it was released in episodic form if you don't know the wolf among us was one of two games series that telltale produced that was based off of uh comic books the other one being the walking dead and this one being based off of fables which is about uh a bunch of fairy tale people and creatures living in the modern world in secret. This, uh, The Wolf Among Us, is a prequel series, and it follows the story of Big B Wolf, who is the big bad wolf and the sheriff of Fable Town, uh, which is what they call their society that's basically just like this one building in New York and uh, this farm in upstate. During this time, you follow him, and like it's, it's set in 1986, so about 20 years before the first... Uh, Comic book? Yeah, comic book. Thank you. Um, And basically, you follow him investigating one of the first murders in, like, forever in Fable Town. And during this, you have to make, you know, you have to find clues, question witnesses, fight people. And um, there's some choices that you can make that make things easier later. Some of them are minor, which are just like, hey, did you give that person, that person who needed it, 20 bucks or nah? Did you like their cigarette? She still gets killed, but... Cigarette remembers Whoa, this. <laughs> wow, spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah, cigarettes will remember this. Um, but there are other ones that uh, that greatly change it. Like, for example, you can prevent some people's deaths. You can uh, change the flow of the story. It's not as um, dramatic as a lot of other games, because in general you do kind of arrive at the same bigger points but there are moments and some of the bigger points that can be avoided or they could be you know changed that makes it a lot easier uh or there's some things that make it very different story if you choose to do it like for example you can go to if you decide to investigate this one location before the other location uh someone could die or perhaps if you go to the other location first you find different clues that may make it easier for you to uh guess like the murderer, and get a better picture of the idea of the story, depending on how you do, you know? And I think that that's a really cool concept, which is why I thought of, you know, because I like 
when games let you make choices. So like that's the reason why, because The Wolf Among Us, I think, is a good example of gaming that allows the characters to make choices. Uh, that's why I decided to think about it. And th- there you go. Here's The Wolf Among Us. By the way, if you haven't read this, read read the comics. It's the best comic series I've ever read. Comics are so good. They're yeah. so good, except for like the last story arc. But besides that, like amazing. The first one is really good. Like, yeah, I think it it drove me to at least read three or four more into the series. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It makes me cry. It it made me almost cry better than anything I've ever read or watched. So yeah, it was probably one of the best. Like, honestly, the first one's like the perfect noir kind of yeah, mystery comic book. Noir. Yeah, very, very classy. Good stuff. Very clever stuff. So let's move on to Ryan Mossberger, who has something a little different in store for us. That's what I am. Yeah, what's different about yours? It's me, your boy, Ryan Mossberger. Uh, so the topic, uh, for this week was, d- uh, repercussions. Was it repercussions? Consequences. Consequences. Same consequences. <laughs> so, yeah, so consequences. And my mind immediately went to, um, Bioware. And my first thought was yeah. to do Mass Effect 2 because Mass Effect 2 is probably the first. I mean, I played Mass Effect 1 and your consequence, like, there are some consequences to your action, but I do think in Mass Effect 2, you actually get to see some of those consequences in action. Um, like the Rachni can come back or not come back. But then when I was thinking about that, I had this idea of about the consequences for Bioware, the company for some of its recent actions. And I thought that was really like interesting flip on it. So I really wanted to do that. Um, so for the most part, I'm going to be referencing an article called how Bioware's Anthem went wrong. Uh, it, it first went up, Um, April 2nd of this year, and it's by Jason Schreer. He's probably one of their top line, if there is such a thing, like a gaming investigative journalist. Uh, He's very precise. He (laughs) writes up a storm. He's very um, meticulous with his sources and how he writes things out. And this is probably as close to like some kind of New York Times (laughs) investigative journalism as you're going to get on Kotaku, but it's about Bioware. And he really gets in the nitty gritty. He has like a bunch of sources inside the company that are either were currently that are currently working there or worked there in the past. And it kind of lays out from beginning to end how this game came to be and why that was a bad thing. So if you haven't played Anthem and I haven't played Anthem, I've only watched a few videos. I knew that that game was going to be bad after the first time I saw it's E3 release trailer. What was it bad? Like I I remember seeing like that E3 release trailer and just thinking nothing. Like literally yeah. nothing came to mind when I saw that. I felt nothing and it's like My that mind is- went to oh so they just saw Iron Man 2 and were like let's just make a game. I was like okay and there was obviously a uh it was obviously like a Destiny clone. It was going to be a loot bot. It was going to be a loot shooter. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I was like neutral. I didn't think, I didn't think, I mean, I thought it was probably going to be bad, but I was going to give it the benefit of the doubt because Bioware is usually good. And then I saw the first, I think a year or two after that, they did their big, like actual gameplay trailer. And I have never, like for an E3 presentation, I have never been more bored while watching like live gameplay. And this is around the same time that they were debuting like God of War stuff. 
like in a very packed field, they came out with a very boring game. I remember just them like running around and shooting people and you see the little damage numbers popping off them and nobody's taking any damage because there's nothing. They're all just kind of like floating around or whatever and all the power. It just it didn't make me. I was like, all right, so this is definitely going to be a bad game. And then big surprise, it was getting really hyped up right before um, it came out and there were some fr- like a few early reviews that were really positive and it was like, I can feel that this is not right. And then once the game was actually released at large everybody pretty much passed on it. Um, I mean, a lot of the major review places, I even think Kotaku, they did like a middling review, but even since then they've probably like, do, like narrowed the down a little bit. I think it's like Metacritic scores probably hovering in the thirties. I'll actually check real quick. This is going to be, we're going to do a live, but I want to say that this is uh, to get more into the nitty gritty of how it has consequences. In the article, it talks about that there were major things that, yeah, it's at a, it's at a user score 4.1, um, that Bioware just ignored so many signs and allowed other sources and other people to get in the way so much. And they were forced to use certain systems. But all it really boils down to is that there's going to be major consequences for Bioware at large. From what I've heard, the next Dragon Age game, Dragon Age 4, is going to be run very similarly to Anthem. It's going to use the same uh, tool set system everything and it's gonna be a live service game too i heard right yep money what's that mean basically loot boxes and shit yeah ea has gotten their fingers all up in this and they're like well you have one more shot to make money so we're gonna maximize that amount of money you make and if it doesn't work then we're going to dissolve your studios which i think is like a pretty crazy consequence oh jesus yeah so a lot of this is bo- boiling down to one a few things ea wants to make their money back from Anthem. So they're going to use pretty much the entire tool set and all that stuff so they don't have to waste any money. So they're going to force force feed that into Dragon Age 4. And then they're going to compile it with a bunch of loot boxes, make it an online game, make it a very much games-as-a-service type of thing, which honestly is kind of on a downturn with popularity, like massively. And they're basically just going to try and squeeze whatever last bits of money they can get from the Bioware brand before they dissolve it. I mean, that's my, that's obvious. That's what I think is going to happen. Bioware is going the way of the Dodo. Oh, I really want to play the next fucking Dragon Age, but it's going to be lame. Then It's going to be real fucking bad. Yeah, that sucks. Cause like, like I said, I, I, I bought Inquisition and all the DLC for 10 bucks on sale and I was so happy about it. Yeah. <sighs> But yeah, so that's that's my real life consequences for a game studio. They fucked up, and now they might not have a studio anymore. <laughs> Just like Telltale's. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Telltale's totally did fuck up too. One could say they have one shot to go. <laughs> uh, jokes. <laughs> Let's discuss the fucking shit out of this. Let's fucking discuss it until it bleeds questions. I don't know. I just want to say real quick, like I said, um, I also thought it was a chick, but that's just me. I just, yeah, I got because so, cats are feminine, according to. I, get, no, I don't uh, know. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what it was, you know. I was just uh, listening to some podcast that they were talking about psych- psychologically speaking, cats are seen as feminine while dogs are seen as masculine or something. Uh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's silly when you think about it, but like, that's kind of how people are. 
Is it? No, that's a terrible joke. I'm not going to make that. My first question is, and this will apply more to Ryan than Keenan. Hey. What exactly was your choice at the end? Wow. I told her to plug in the light bulb. That seemed like the obvious one from what I saw. Because honestly, I was I was getting very much into my role as God. And as God, it's my job to protect the the, the well-being of the many over the singular. So... And honestly, her big deal was that she wanted pancakes and she could they made pancakes in this world, so obviously she was fine. <laughs> yeah, funny thing is, I chose to break the light bulb and send Nico back home. Wow. Like the thing is, that was interesting to me because before I played this game, I always thought of myself as the type of person who would choose the needs of the many over those of the few but like when i played this game and was left without any way to retry the game i actually ended up questioning myself uh do i doom this world even though it's doomed either way even though saving it only saves it for a temporary moment or do i save this character this little kid that i know a little bit about that i've come to love and care for I ended up choosing to send Nico back home. And you know, if that were a real life situation, I, I'm not sure what I'd choose. And the fact that this game managed to make me rethink such a central part of myself, it was something I never had quite experienced from a work of art before. It was interesting. It changed my perspective on myself and, uh, the kinds of choices I'd make. Because before this, I, was definitely sh sure about what kind of choice I, I'd make, but now this contradicts something. <laughs> what kind of yeah. man are you? Yeah, so this is the main reason why I wanted to talk about this game. And I guess my first question to both of you is, how did your cha domain change your perspective in, like, whatever way it did? Did it manage to change how you think? Um... I'll 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 take uh I'll take us we get this first if you don't mind Ryan. Um I don't know if I changed my thinking uh when I played the wolf among us in like in the real world necessarily. But I will say that it did make me think about how I make these decisions. Um and so it kinda like was a, a reflective piece. Although I did come to the conclusion that whenever there are games that make choices I tend to make the choice that I think that the canon version of the character would make. You know what I mean? Like, um, for example, there's like some, I, I sometimes, cause like if it's a blank character, like some, like the Bioware games, you know, with, uh, Dragon Age, you kind of have a blank character that you can kind of create and customize the personality as you go. And when I'm making those games decisions, uh, I feel like very much like what would I do because I am this character. You know, there's no other version of this character that can like really be, you know, uh, compared against. But if I'm like playing like Fables and there's Bigby, I think about, you know, how Bigby acts in cutscenes where it's not me making decisions. And what would he choose right now? What do you think? What do I think he would say? You know what I mean? Um, but that's kind of why I like games that have the decision process, but also have a sort of blank slate, like, 
um one shot does where it's kind of like it's still you're there's there's nico but there's also you you know making decisions with and uh for nico so like i said i feel like you're more open to make the kind of decisions because like i said i fall in the trap of you know i think what would the you know the pc do not necessarily what would i do so thinking about my topic i think it kind of changes changes my perspective a little bit on the gaming industry uh i'm i'm i would say i'm pretty on top of gaming news and for the most part in the last couple of years if a triple a gum if a triple a game comes out it's almost guaranteed to be a success in one way or the other there's very few triple a failures at this point in like the gaming industry a triple a game is almost entirely like there's very little likelihood that it is going to be a commercial failure um it's just the way that the the industry at large has cooked the books um, if you want to review a product early, say for like Otaku or one of these other things, typically they have to write, um, they can only write middling reviews. They can never really outright like negative reviews. Um, and they've also, they've got the, they, they do very little in the way of switching up stories or changing mechanics. Uh, one game like Call of Duty 4 is not that much different in all actuality from like, any of the other preceding Call of Duty games. Once they found something that what? worked, they drilled it. Um, so it's kind of crazy that a big name studio, I mean, everybody knows about Bioware. This was going to be their first um, really widespread appeal, like kind of loot shooter type of thing uh, that was supposed to hit the market and kind of take the shooting market by storm. And it failed spectacularly. And I think it... It really does. It's kind of crazy when you think about it that that one failure, just because of the money that's involved with AAA game making, is basically put them on the chopping block. It makes you kind. Of, it makes me really think about the gaming industry at large and how pre-orders, um, uh, gaming journalism in general, and how the industry has been kind of consolidated at this point. That we've reached kind of a stagnation point, and it takes a real stinker, which Anthem I would classify as a real stinker, full of just a comedy of errors. Uh, to, I don't know, shake things up well, a little bit? Well, it's all about... Uh, it's interesting because I think it's because they probably thought in some ways that that was a safe bet because, you know, they say you make two... You, you, yeah, you make two choices. You make the risky one, but you also have the safe one to back you up, you know? Um, yeah. They probably thought, oh, a loot and shooter, there's plenty of those that people will get on and then, you know, spend like X amount of months or like a year on and then it will move on to the next one. But they'll still be able to make that money. You know? Yeah, this was supposed to be their safe bet, like widespread appeal, not very RPG-ish submittal to like the this generation's market. This was supposed to take, this was supposed to be a real contender for Destiny and some of these other ones that are like popping up, you know. But it just completely fucking bombed, and it shit its own pants almost immediately. I just, and, if they just make another Dragon Age, they'll be fine. People really like, but the yeah, Dragon they're Age games. they're gonna ruin Dragon Age now. I mean, they and, were able, and like the thing is, uh, when it comes to consequences, like in a way, Dragon Age Origins, I think was Origins, it was kind of like the start of the end for Bioware because, like, yeah, yeah because like. Uh, with Dragon Age Origins, like at the, they did most of the work at the last possible minute, 
And it led to, like, the managers having this arrogant belief that, like... The Bioware they, magic was a thing. The Bioware magic that they could... Um, that with enough crunch, they can make any game work or be Which is insane, because with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, they knew that it wouldn't do that. Like, it was a partial success, I think, technically speaking. It was a critical middling, not so hot, but... I think commercially it made its money on a pretty thin margin, but you think they would have learned like, Oh, like if we do this again, people aren't going to trust us. Uh, Like after this, they're not going to trust us that much because they're going to want to see the results. And if we fuck up that one, we are going to be so done. And I mean, that's kind of where they're at now, but yeah, it's kind of changed my eyes about Bioware. It's changed my perception of the gaming industry. I think made me think about a lot of stuff with gaming. Hmm. It's just a shame how these uh, companies end up, you know, committing to these questions, uh, these decisions, which, like, I don't know, like, I don't understand why no one said anything, you know? Well, I read the, I mean, I read the, I I mean, I read the article, and in the article, people were complaining. It was, it should have been very obvious to the managers. I mean, they had employees taking, like, prescribed mental leave. Like the, they would go to a psychologist and they would, the psychologist would tell them, you need to take a break because you're on the brink. Um, and that's a, that's a major sign. That means you're pushing your workers too far. And, and the warning signs really should have been that they had been working on this game for five years and they, well, I think, I think total it was a seven year project, five, seven years. But after like the third or fourth year, when they really had nothing at all, that should have been a huge warning sign. Um, they had moved around so much material people um so much resources and they were just spinning their tires and not making any progress just burning money it's kind of ridiculous okay next question goes out to keenan how do you feel that choices affect your connections to the characters like if they make you feel more bonded to them how do they do that that's a leading question no but um but yeah i do think it uh, does bond us to the characters more just because, like, they don't move until we move. So we're right there with them making, answering, you know, questions and, you know, um, when things go bad or things go good, part of you feels it like, even though uh, a character may have a more scripted, you know, narrative that, oh, excuse me, that you still are a part of that and that, like, you did that because, you know, you were the one that told them to say that told him to, you know, check that uh that cupboard, or you to the one that told him to save that dude, and when that dude comes back and helps you, you're like, ah, that was that was because I, you know, was able to help him out and stuff. Um, so I think it just since it gives you a certain amount of agency. Oh, more than bad things happens too. You also feel bad, you know, because you're like, ah, well, I was the one that caused this, you know. Like um, when when you make choices that get a character killed, yeah. Uh, an yeah. oopsie doopsie, if you will. Oopsie whoopsie, he dead. He dead. <laughs> I may have made a. I may have made a small oops. <laughs> I miscalculated this. The choice I made was calculated, but boy, do I suck in math. But boy, am I. Yeah, but boy, am I bad at math. <laughs> miscalculated. Yeah, because, like, for example, like I said, with um, The Wolf Among Us, there's a point where you have to choose between investigating two different places. 
either two different apartments basically belonging to two different people uh the one you saw you see both of them in a vision and you know one of them is possibly in danger uh because he called you and said oh well there's you know um people at my place and they're coming for me and you're like oh no but you also know that from the magic mirror that the other apartment there's someone that either is dead or could be dying if you don't get there and so you have to kind of weigh your options if you uh spoiler if you go to the apartment where the guy is supposedly dead he's revealed to be alive and by going there you've actually saved him and you know he shows up uh spontaneously in uh the next few episodes meanwhile if you go to the apartment where your friend's being harassed um you don't really learn that whole bunch more and then you go back to the other apartment and the guy's just dead you know um (laughs) so i think there's part of you that's like ah we could have saved him you know um it kind of makes you like consider and some game and some games uh do this differently with uh, The Wolf Among Us, I think that most of the choices are pretty, you know, um, obvious about the about what's going to happen or the gravity of the situation. But there are some, you know, uh, decisions in other games, like, like, for example, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition, that, like, it's hard to tell, like, what exactly will come of this, you know? And it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I think that's a very clever, very cool thing, because, like, you may try to do something... But because you don't necessarily know how to do it, um, your first reaction may not be the correct one. Uh, and I think that's a fun thing about it. Like, um, uh, in Dragon Age Inquisition, you go to meet with these guys, with these, like, soldiers and stuff, and you brought along, like, these noblemen for, like, leverage. Um, and if you go straight there, and there's some choices you have to make that, like, seem kind of, you know... Um, mundane but then it was revealed that if you choose like the difference of those choices decides whether or not uh the noble guy you're like mainly buddied with is you know just killed or not and so i think that's a very cool aspect of of games that either that when they are big that's very cool but i think it's even cooler when you're not even sure exactly what will come of these decisions yeah because then you have to think very cat like it's like so you got to be very calculated by all about all of it you know, and it kind of makes it very intense because you're like, oh, I don't know, because like that other decision made this big impact. What what does this decision do? You know, <laughs> and I think that does bodge you with characters. Yeah, I think I think the the game kind of forcing you to like put up or shut up with what you believe bonds you to one to the story, but also to the character because you're like, oh, if I fuck up and like make this character sad, he's going to be sad for a little while and he's not going to be the cool guy I like him to be type of stuff yeah you know uh, i like games though like um that have it's i uh bioware does this and so does um the telltale games where they tell you what other characters think about your decisions and i think that's really fun because then like you probably like you probably have found characters that you're like i i like this character a lot and where they're like yo Bob disagrees, and I'm like, whoa, Bob, no. Bob, don't. <laughs> Bob will remember this, and he's super pissed. And you're like, oh, Kenny, why? No, I remember when I was playing uh, Telltale's The Walking Dead. Like, there was a choice that comes up where it's like, there's a dude who's having a heart attack, and you're locked in the room with him, and uh, your choice is either uh, to, like, kill him because he's, like, six foot 
a tall or six foot six tall dude who might turn into a zombie right then and there or or try or uh just try try to like uh treat his heart attack and uh uh when i initially uh uh played the game i chose to uh like kill, kill him because oh god we're trapped in a room with a zombie that's not good mm-hmm. uh but like later on like clementine will like uh gives you this look like uh she she doesn't she isn't really angry at you but like she's like scared and sad and it's like I can't do this and I like rewind it and like chose the other option instead and uh I died uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like the way uh, the way a game can like emotionally uh get you despite like uh with simple blank will remember this yeah even though it pro- might not matter that much in the long run uh real re- it's it's funny to me, yeah. Yeah, it's really dependent on the immersion. You have to believe, you have to want the character to be, this other character to be, like, happy with you. Yeah. And that requires good writing and really good storytelling. Oh, yeah, which Bioware used to. Yeah, I used to having buckets full of it. Yeah, like like Inquisition. I'm, I, I was, I've been talking the past few days with Chowder about it. We hang out outside of this. Um, and we, um, and I, you know, like I said, I just bought... I've already played it through the first time, but like now I'm again I'm trying to do it again because uh, I have the DLC and the DLCs are direct continuations. Um, but like I'm looking at all like the disapproval because the thing is it's even worse than like the Bioware because just you know saying Bob will remember that you know you could like be like well maybe it's you know good or bad like who knows because uh, sometimes like I played the Telltale games and I'm not sure if the character took that well or not it just says they'll remember that and it's really anxious but uh, Inquisition will straight up be like yo. Cassandra disapproves or like sometimes it's like <laughs> Cassandra greatly disapproves and I'm like listen Cassandra I love you Cassandra but you need to it's a hard I'm making a tough decision here okay Cassandra get your fucking eyes off of me right now I swear to god <laughs> but then again it's also kind of funny because there's some characters that like I don't I don't care about like for example in Inquisition again or like you know like Ichabod Crane in you know um fucking uh the Wolf Among Us, or Solace in uh, Inquisition, they'll be like, oh, Ichabod Crane will remember that, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> what Go will ahead, he remember. remember what will he remember? Me not giving a shit? I remember there was one in uh, The Walking Dead. There's a scene where, I think in the second chapter, where Clementine's with a dog, and regardless of how the scene goes down, dog ends up dying. But you can either feed the dog or not feed the dog. And if you do either, it says dog will remember that. <laughs> and then you kill it the next scene. <laughs> I just want to say I'd be really fucking anxious if they told me the dog remembered that I didn't feed them. Because I'm like, oh, well, now this dog's going to kill me in the next scene. Perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of what it boils down to. And you stab it in the neck with a knife. <laughs> Take that dog. I'm glad I didn't feed you. Anyways, uh, that's about all the time we have for the discussion. If you have your own questions or have a comment you want to read on the show, we make posts on Facebook and Twitter where you can comment or reply, and we'll be sure to talk about it. Uh, You can see those every other Friday when CGP is off the air. Like, share, and comment to enter into a raffle, giving you the chance to pick your own topic for a future episode. Yeah, boys. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
you both for a very consequential discussion. Mm. Now we move on to the ratings, and we begin by having each of the representatives rate the topic uh, on a scale of one to five pancakes. Keeny, you can go first. Um, I would give it from what I saw. Uh, once again, like this is you know kind of limited perspective of it. I wasn't able to play as much of it as you know the rest of you. Yes, that's um, true. I would give it probably three, three out of five uh, pancakes, mainly because um, it's simplistic, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but also, on the other hand, I kind of don't like the gimmick of only playing once with games, just because like. I don't necessarily find myself that I can absorb all everything in necessarily just one playthrough. And well, like, there, I don't there wanna... are like bet, there are like bets you can save at that like let you like put a pause on the game so that you can like go and do other stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, if you had told me like only because you told me that, would I even think to do that? I would have just kept playing through, and then it would have been like, oh, and it's over, and then it would have, you know, prevented itself, and I would have had to go through all this trouble to just play it again. Um, which, like I said, I think it's just because, um, like I said, I just wish that... I like, I understand the gimmick that, like, you get to really, like, it's real consequences, but on the other hand, like I said, that I... I rarely play a game one time and think I have understood it completely. You know, I want to understand the art that you present to me. And that's why I play through multiple times and not necessarily like choosing different options, but it's kind of like watching a movie again. You know, and you catch catch things every time that's a little different. You know, and you go, oh, that's what this guy did here or that's what they were doing here. It's like once you know the ending and then you rewatch a movie, and then you're like, oh, this is these were the foreshadowing right here and here and here. That's so clever, you know? Um, and I don't want to, like, that's why I don't like the, the one thing gimmick. So I'll have to deduct points for that. Okay. You you might like the Steam version then, which, you know, you can play over and over. Uh, all right, Ryan, your turn. Hot take. Five out of five. I really like this game. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was a really good length. It only took me maybe two hours or so to beat it from beginning to end, and that was with me muddling about a lot. Um, I thought it was a very interesting way of kind of like bringing you out of the story by bringing you back into the story. Uh, the way that it, uh, the, the game it itself interacted with you. Uh, sending you text files and like changing your background, um, giving you warning messages, how like the game communicates to you. And I really like the main character, Nico. I really like the game. I thought it was great. And the fact that it's free, I think is amazing. Um, that you can get something of this quality um, for free. Uh, you know, just this little micro piece of art. Um, I think that's great, and I, I thought it was adorable through and through. I thought it was really fun. Uh, yeah, five out of five all the way. Nice. Uh, next, I will award a gold star to uh, the person who I think contributed the best to this conversation. Uh, and this episode's gold star will be the golden light bulb. Yeah, light bulb. Cat eyes. <laughs> the golden cat feet. 
Little cat, little cat beans. The golden robot prophet. You know what? Yeah, sure. The golden little cat beans. The golden red-headed lady in armor. That was armor she was wearing, right? Like, anyways. Oh, she's a robot. You, you both brought, uh, uh, brought into interesting things to the episode, but I think Ryan gave the better insights, both on One Shot itself and bringing something new by talking about Anthem and the consequences that brought to video games in general, so... I'ma give Ryan the golden cat beat. Best birthday present ever. I feel cheated, and I will force an appeal. Just letting you know now. Hey, my birthday was yesterday. Let me have this. I need this. <laughs> Sorry, Keenan. All choices are final. That is the consequences of the gold star. We can only have one episode, you know. There can only be one. Yep. Although I think the last time I hosted, I gave it to two, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck it, I'm going to break the rules. <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up. Thank you for listening to the Common Geeking Program. I'm your host, Timel Chowdhury, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. With consequences in mind, of course. You can find me on Twitter, at Timel Chowdhury. You can see how that's spelled. Again, I've been joined by... Yes, me, Keenan. Tis I, once again, the voice of your divine. <laughs> once again, you may find me in your thoughts and prayers. And I am Ryan Mossbarger. You can find me in that, like, brief moment when you're daydreaming and you forget that you're, like, in class or, like, at work. There's, like, that brief pause of, like, that moment you're like, oh, I'm not at work anymore. And then if you look in the corner of your eye, I'll be staring at you. But if that doesn't work, and you're not a type of person that has that type of thing, um, <laughs> I guess you can contact me uh, via Twitter at Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B. Or just, you know, write a letter, hand it to your nearest cat, pay the cat five quarters. And then give it a gun, and then the <laughs> message will get to me. <laughs> Surprisingly more expensive than I was ready for. Five well, I mean, quarters. Yeah. Oh, that's not too much. Oh, and a gun. Go buy a gun or give up a gun. <laughs> well, five quarters, a cat, and a gun. and a Make sure message. the cat takes it. Like, don't just leave it around the cat. Don't just leave, you know. Getting, getting the gun on the cat can be a little tricky. So I say... Uh, Make a little twine holster for it and securely fasten the gun to the side of the cat. I, I love it. <laughs> sorry if I sorry if I <laughs> threw you off. <laughs> I'm just imagining the cat with a gun, and it's great. <laughs> uh, the next episode will be hosted by who's hosting episode 109? Me. Uh, it's Ryan. Amen. Uh, yeah, I'll be hosting the next episode. Um, we are uh, so it's uh, we're going to be talking about the Dungeons and Dragons Stranger Things starter set, and more specifically, how uh, older, maybe more vintage brands influence and uh, kind of spread their uh, you know influence new people and spread out their brand through newer forms of media or brands. I mean, Stranger Things as a brand has only been around for about five years now. 
Um, it's very popular while, you know, when you really think about it, when it comes to neat, uh, with like nerdy geek brands, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is about as old as many of them. It's a, a pretty much the same age as Star Wars and yeah. I mean, still relevant. Like, I mean, maybe Buck Rogers and some other stuff is older, but we don't watch Buck Rogers cartoons or anything right now, do we? And so. like Dungeons and Dragons is like more popular than it's ever been, I feel. so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they've been very effective. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little review of it, um, talk about it a little bit and see if there's anything else out there that kind of matches the same thing that wizards of the coast is doing right now so it should be a fun discussion hmm. be sure to tune in two weeks from now friday i'll think of the date later uh, <laughs> just put date and then come back over it and just, yeah. <laughs> just may 32nd <laughs> yeah exactly june 7th anyways thanks for listening subscribing date. sharing everything <laughs> and we'll we'll talk to you next time. Ciao. Goodbye. Bye, guys. This episode of the Common Geeking Program was hosted by Timel Chodery, joined by the representatives Keenan Kodish and Ryan Mossbarger. This episode is sponsored by all the consequences you'll receive for choosing to listen to this podcast instead of doing something more important. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me, Jeff Levitt, as well as Matt Canavan, and featuring original music by Colin Ketchin. Engage with us on social media at Geeking Program or by using hashtag CGP. If you want to know more about us and all of our other projects, you can head over to CommonGeekingProgram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and thank you for listening to this. talking about the 2014 version because it's shorter it's free and i think uh, one second uh cameo by your dad brother dad Sister. yeah this is a very deep voice for his sister, I would assume. <laughs> you never know. I mean, maybe she smokes heavy. Who knows? <laughs>